I am unashamed. What about you? Welcome back to Unashamed Podcast. I am on the road again, as Willie Nelson uh, sings about. I'm in the Zach's home state of Florida. I'm very near, Zach, to your beloved Florida State Seminoles. I'll be speaking in Tallahassee tonight. So a lot of of work to be done in Tallahassee. So Lisa and I are doing a marriage event down here tonight. So I'm excited to be here. Uh, People are excited. Ron DeSantis signs everywhere. They love him. So. Yeah, they need they need you in Tallahassee. They need they need Jesus there bad. <laughs> I actually went to Tallahassee not too long ago and did an event at the uh it was at a place where this they had all these old antique cars and uh and just various that this guy had a collection. I I forgot exactly where I was, but uh boy, it was it was a crowd. No, I think you'll it'll it'll be great, Al. It's beautiful down there, that's for sure. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, this is a, a little bit different type of event than we normally do because we do mostly pro life stuff. So this is a, a focus on marriage. This group, by the way, that's doing this, uh, Dad, you'll love this. They started a uh, an initiative about eight years ago. It's called Live the Life, and it's based in Tallahassee. But they go every major city in Florida. They have a satellite there. And their goal, they set out a goal to reduce divorce by over 50 percent in the state of Florida. And so and they're really trying to work in the major population centers. And you, do you know that? I mean, some of these cities and counties that they're working in, they've seen significant divorce rate drop. So, I mean, it's working. They do small groups. They do counseling. They have these big events like we're speaking at tonight because they're just like raising the awareness. That is a great idea. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. So anyway, glad to be here to support them. So, Dad, you said earlier before we got started, you had something to share with us. This is some big news. What do you got? Yeah, there's strange uh, things coming out of your mate when you get in your 70s. Little blurbs of information are fed to you unbeknown to you. Well, I looked around there last night, and there's a lot of stuff on my right and my left. But I picked this up. I noticed this. I said, now, what could this be? It's it's a elderly man. So you got or, you a card. An elderly woman. I said, well, I got a card. Well, what do you know? So I thought, what, what about this about? I opened it up, and it is the mother of you two, Jace and Al. Here's your mother. As she gets older, I'll love you till we're both old and embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) That's it? That's it. She's got down there, I'll love you. And I said, well, what's the blurb? I'll love you till we're both old and embarrassing. I don't know what happens after that. But that's, that's the note. And I waited till you boys got in your mid-50s before I would read that to you. I'm in my mid-70s, and you are now much older than I remember. So, And I think this couple— In the heat of it all, she still says she loves me, even though it may get embarrassing. So This couple actually looks a lot like y'all, except he, he shaves. Yeah, he, he's, he's, he's city boy, but I mean, you know. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But that's an update from your mother. Well, that's, that's, well, that's, uh, so y'all are not to the embarrassing stage. Although Jace walked up today and said, you know, I forgot all my, my Bible. I forgot my work. I, what? That, Thank you for bringing that embarrassing. That's moment. what I'm alluding to you. For the first time in almost 600 podcasts, I showed up without my bag, which contains my notes and my Bible and various things to get through the hours that we pontificate. I've noticed a little shortcoming with myself on things that I forget. I'm like, what what did I do with that? Well, look, I don't have my wife. My partner is away. You're on a tough schedule. I left the the nanny and the baby were he was in the jumper as I was leaving and it's it's just the most exciting thing to watch because he he can do things in that jumper that's amazing. He has full control of it. He'll twi- he'll do the twist, and then he'll pick his feet up. And so you raised three, and this one kind of fell into your lap. You volunteered to do a good deed. 
You know, well, we had three, and then we had an acquisition. So with this one, you're uh, noticing so things. Four. Now we have another acquisition. So I guess this is. But five. you're noticing things as you've grown in the faith and in years. Yeah. You know, you're looking at when you were raising your first three. Now you're raising this one, but you're probably look at seeing a. Looking at life with a little different slant. Yeah, there's yeah. some kind of appreciation. Have the experience of racing three. Okay, so all of a yeah. sudden this falls in your lap. What? what, what? I don't know. It's hard to describe, but you're right. There's definitely an appreciation on a daily basis of the little things of life and yep. in babies, and I think especially when tough circumstances are involved, you're you're thinking of what, where would this child be, and what would he. You know what would he be like? I mean, this this boy is happy, happy, happy as you. Call and the life of the preaching front. the gospel involves a lot of people who are having some. Uh, you know, would you raise three? Now you've got number four that came much, much later in life. I've got five total, if you yeah, count. You got a few years on you. Yeah. But you're still dealing with people who are, are who where there's friction between husband and wife and. They have mm -hmm. the children, and life itself is, can be a pretty good grind. But now you, you, you're a little better equipped at, yeah. at talking to people who are struggling with raising their children. That's pretty evident nationwide. Yeah. Well, I think, too, uh, you know, I shared this before, but it, you know, our neighborhood, which is mostly family, they just went all in, too, because, you know, we're, we're – we're pretty busy at this stage of our life. What I found fascinating now is that, so I kind of panicked, and I was like, well, I don't have my Bible, but I had the same Bible, y'all had it on the shelf, that a viewer sent in. And the reason it was on the shelf is because it's the smallest print Bible imaginable. I've never seen a print for a pretty good-sized book. You get in your and, 70s, you want the print a little larger. So I might have to use glasses. And then Phil was so fascinated because I, you know, you know how Phil f feels about technology. I had the baby caretaker go in and take a picture of my notes, which I didn't have many, but I just had a four or five lines because I had some Old Testament references I wanted to get to. I was kind of amazed that was even possible. And you saw it in 60 seconds, and I showed Phil the picture, and he said, how did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> it magically appears. I wanted to say, it's a miracle. <laughs> but then I didn't want to offend you know, the people that have we've had been on both sides of that argument because it was, even though... It was done through the unseen world. And to feel, to feel that was borderline miraculous. I, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm exasperated, kind of like, and I'm, I'm witnessing it. The transfer of information it's, it's, is, it's is swirling all around me. But I, I'm just old school. Just read the Bible. Right. Read well, that's the why we don't. It's why we don't have to remember anything <laughs> anymore. Because you, you know, you can Google it. You can. Yeah, I mean, you, I was stunned. He got that information. I mean, he's looking at it on the computer screen. He forgot it. Well, here it is, and just oh well, yeah, I got pulled over. By, I got pulled over by a cop, and I didn't have my insurance card on me. And so I called Jill, and I said, "Right now, go look on my desk," because I'd left it on my desk, and she went in there. So she she runs in there, takes the picture of the insurance card, texts it to my phone. And I showed the cop, and and it worked. I didn't get a ticket. I mean, at least for not having insurance. And uh, yeah, these these cell phones and cameras, it's it can help. Well, the last time I got checked by a game warden, he said, "Do you have your hunting license?" And I said, "No." So he's like, "Well, I'm going to write you up." I said, "But I do have it on my phone. I have a I have the receipt via email. I did a email search." I pulled it up, I showed him. He's like, you're good. I mean, because I thought, I didn't know if I had to have it physically on me, the printout version. or It if used that, to be their line, you have to have it with you. Well, he he, he acted like not no problem. Times so are thought, changing. Uh, okay. I thought, we've come a long way with, you remember, I mean, I've been pulled over probably more than all of y'all combined, and only 
gotten one ticket, which was a speed trap in the middle of the night in Alabama that I've talked about several times. I was going 11 miles per hour over the speed limit, and there was no one out except me and this police officer. But anyway, all the other time, I mean, there was a few times where I didn't have ID. And so what I would do is I my Bible would ha- have my name on it. So I would grab my Bible. And I'd say, this is, this is my identification. See that? <laughs> Jace Robertson down here at the bottom of the Bible. And the lawman is looking. They're looking. And I thought, because at this moment, all I can use is... The providence of God. <laughs> I, 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 I spot here. Did it work? <laughs> it worked every time. I never got a ticket. I don't think that worked up here. If you're honest, like the, if you don't try, he knew you were not up. You were not up to. I was no not. Good. There was no carousing. You know, I've never been drunk a day of my life, so none of that. I've had a. We've had an incident. I made a mistake. I don't have my. Bill, because there was a there was a span of my life for about ten years where I just could not keep up with my billfold. I never had it on me, and it's a problem when they're like, "Let me see your ID." But I would, I'd always have my Bible. That's why this first time in, I mean, almost six hundred podcasts where I, I I left the house unarmed. That's a pretty good lesson in that, Jace. Yeah, Jace. Well, I don't know, Jace. That, that reminds me of the time I was. The time I was in Alabama, I got pulled over, and this old guy comes up, and he's real country, you know, sounding. He said, you got any ID? And I said, about what? <laughs> good joke, mm, Al. Good dad joke there. <laughs> Al, <laughs> my, and look, the power of technology, my assistant informed me that when we, we were in Tallahassee, because I sent her a message while we were talking. Well, this is this is technology day. And she said we were at the Tallahassee Automobile Museum. So if you get a chance, go check that out because I gave that place two thumbs way up and the crowd was amazing. So if you get some free time out, you'll you'll appreciate it. I'll definitely have to mention that, uh, that you were there. And then also, Dad, I'm gonna use that. You just gave me my cold open for my speech tonight. I'm gonna tell the I'm gonna tell my audience because I talk a little bit when I talk about marriage about you and mom and kind of how that you know led to our relationships and our family, but I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna tell about that card you got. I wrote down your that line. I love you until we're old and embarrassing. Yeah. To finish my story, at some point when I matured, I realized that I needed to stop breaking the law. Just thought that was the spiritual Christ like thing to do and then guess what i stopped getting pulled over it's, it's funny how that works i've never gotten a speeding ticket because 90 percent of the rigs i've owned they wouldn't go that fast they were incapable of speeding <laughs> just didn't have the equipment. <laughs> yeah the first truck i was trying to get from point a to point b and the speed was not even in the equation that's so funny because i i remember the first time i got pulled over I rolled down the window and I said, well, I know I wasn't speeding. And he said, how come you think that? I said, because this truck won't go that fast, <laughs> which he laughed. But guess what? If you make the police officer laugh right off the bat, there's a 99.9% chance that a ticket is not coming your way. Because he genuinely laughed. It wasn't like a fake laugh, like, huh, where's your ID? Let's take a quick break. This podcast is sponsored by Faithful Counseling. Uh, and we talk a lot about counseling on this podcast because we understand uh, the need uh, to be able to help folks, you know, when they're going through a struggle, because we're all going to have some struggles, right? Faithful Counseling will assess your needs. Uh, they match you with uh, your own licensed uh, f- professional therapist who's a practicing Christian. Um, so it, it's, not, it's not a crisis line. It's not self-help, but it's professional counseling. Uh, and there are times when we need that. Certainly, uh, all of us have experienced counseling for ourselves, and we've helped counsel other people. And these guys are professional. They're Christian. Uh, they're great at matching you with a person that's going to give you a lot of help. So we want to encourage you, if you got something going on in your life or you know someone that's going through something difficult, tell them to go to faithfulcounseling.com slash unashamed and get the professional faith-based counseling that they deserve. 
They've even got a special offer uh, for unashamed listeners. Right now, you can get 10% off your first month at faithfulcounseling.com slash unashamed. That's faithfulcounseling.com slash unashamed. Thanks again to Faithful Counseling for sponsoring this episode. Um, yeah, I've, I've uh, so my previous job, previous life, I was a sales rep account manager. And so I drove about 70,000 miles a year. My territory was all of East Texas, North Louisiana. And I got pulled over at least twice a year, but somehow I got, I never got a ticket. I got, I mean, but twice a year I'd get pulled over for speeding. And if I did get a ticket out, I, I did, I take that back. I got a few tickets, but I could get out of them. So none of them got on my record. So my record looked squeaky clean, but I'd actually been pulled over quite a bit over the years, which is interesting. I feel like we're in a confessional here today. Yeah, that's kind of like that. Where are we at in the Bible? We're in, we're in Mark chapter eight, right? Uh, Al eight thirty four. Yeah, actually, yeah, we're uh, if we might back up a little bit and reread uh, Zach. You you did a little bit of it in the last podcast, but maybe pick us up in thirty one because you know we talked about it. We're kind of at a you know Dad's been alluding to it for a few podcasts now. We were aiming towards this section in Mark, because it's really kind of the watershed. In other words, everything we've done, Jesus has done up to this point is to get them ready for what's about to happen. So we're kind of at that midway point in Mark's account. And so this is a big deal. This is where he shifts over to, we're talking what's about to happen. He's got to get them prepared for this. And so he, he asked him in the section right before, who do they think that he is? And then Jesus, and then Peter, this is when Peter speaks up and says, you're the Christ. And we also looked at the Matthew 16 version. So out of that, we get to 31. I want you to pick it up from there, Zach. Uh, and he began, he began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days rise again. And he was stating the matter plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning around and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but on man's. Um, and then moving into verse 34, um, and he summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father and with his holy angels. This is right before the transfiguration. So what do you think? I have a question. I have a question for y'all. Uh Matthew, when just prior up to Matthew 16, when all the, the, the followers, his apostles, Matthew and Mark cover that about the apostles and who they are. But I just noticed that Matthew deals a lot with uh, statements like all men will hate you because of me. Uh, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved just up above that in, uh, in Matthew 10. Uh, on my account, you will be brought before uh, governors and kings and be a witness to them, to the Gentiles. But he goes into this thing about hatred for him and hatred for, for the apostles. And, and Mark doesn't say anything much about that, about the blowback that they're going to get. And I just ha came up with a question. I just said, you know, uh, I, I, I wonder why he deals with, you're going to be hated if you follow me, the epitome of love, and they're going to hate me, Well, they're going to hate you. But uh, Matthew brings it up, but not Mark. And I just wondered about it. You know, he, they just kind of like skipped over that part on, on what was going to befall them. My, my theory to that dad would be, because we studied Matthew, um, Matthew, no doubt was writing his, um, his gospel, his, his, you know, account of what's going on to a very, to the Jewish audience. I mean, he aimed it at the Jewish people. 
it looks like Mark definitely ain't more Gentile just because in so I think that's what, what happens is what they I, emphasize yeah, they emphasize different things. And so I think from the Jewish perspective, there was going to be a lot more persecution initially that came from the Jewish side of things. And when you when you look at those early chapters in Acts, those were the Jewish people. Remember the Acts three and four when Peter and John and they were threatening to put yeah. him in prison and you know so I think he's definitely dealt with that more because he was probably saying, Look, this this is gonna be more what happens to you in the short term, but we know the Gentile persecution comes as well. It just comes a little bit later. So that's my theory. I mean, it could be they just emphasize different things, but that's that's always been my take on why they were different. I mean, Matthew goes goes into great depth about the the what what's fixing to happen even before he got to the 16th chapter where it says from that time on he began to tell his disciples that he must die be buried when he announced the gospel that's in matthew 16 in mark it was chapter 8 is where is where we are now and the gospel is it's finally jesus says oh here's what's fixing to happen i'm going to jerusalem i'm gonna die be buried I'm going to fall victim to the hands of the Jews, like you said, Al. But I just notice Matthew goes into greater detail about how people are going to hate not only Jesus himself, but his followers. It's interesting. I think if you think about the teaching of Jesus and, and what he talked about, if you, if, if you ask the question, what did he talk about more than any other thing? And it's the kingdom. That's, I mean, that was what he was, I don't know if that's what he was known for, but that's certainly what he talked about more than any other thing, predicting the gospel of Matthew. He talked about the coming of the kingdom, True. which is so funny because we don't talk about the kingdom a lot in churches. We talk about the gospel, but you know, it's, it's the gospel and the kingdom or the gospel of the kingdom. So, I mean, the kingdom is a, is, is the reign of God and his people. And, and, it, and the kingdom is not something that a place that we go to. It's something that comes to us. And I, I was thinking about when you get to Matthew 16, I'm glad you brought that up. Because you had that moment in Matthew 16 where uh, Simon Peter, when he asked him, who do, you, who do you say I am? And he says, you're, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And this is in verse 17. Jesus answered him, blessed are to you, Simon, for flesh and blood has, re not, has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. So in other words, you, you've received divine revelation in that answer. Like you didn't get that from flesh and blood. Like you, that's some, something greater. That, yeah. that, that, that came from a divine revelation. And I tell you, you, we mentioned this in the last podcast, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. Not on Peter. Peter's not the rock. It's, it's the confession that Peter made. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And last episode, we talked about the, the kingdom of God is, is progressive. It's, it's moving forward, and it's going to burst through the defensive gates of hell, and nothing's going to be able to stop it. And I was thinking if you're in Peter's position, and... You hear this, and, and you're 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 Jewish. You've been waiting on the Messiah. You're under the rule of the Roman Empire. You're essentially in slavery to the Roman Empire. But They've, he doesn't fit into the mold that they have built. They he did he, he didn't. But in this moment, when he says this, I bet Peter was like, "Okay, it's like that in Tombstone. You know, there's that moment at the end of Tombstone where um, Doc Holliday comes to Wyatt Earp and and he says uh, something to the effect of." Uh, uh, the last charge of Wyatt Earp and his beloved immortals or something like that. And they go on a war path and yeah. it's just like, I mean, they're getting curly Don and all the, all the, the, the red sash guys. And it's just a, I mean, justice is coming vengeance. I mean, everything is being made right. That the new, uh, the, the law is in town. And, and it's like, I think Peter was probably thinking that's what, that's what's about to happen. And you know, he's probably getting so excited. And he's like, I'll follow you anywhere. And then immediately in verse 24, which is what is happening here in Mark 2, is this like the, the, it's just like a diving off of the cliff when he says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross. Forever who would save his life will lose it, but whoever will lose his life for my sake will find it. What, if it, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? And, and, and the same thing he says in Mark, and it's like this is that moment where it's like, it's kind of like this like, Wait a second. Like you said, Phil, this is not what we expected. Like, what are, what are you talking about? Lose our life, take up our cross. Like, wait, wait, what? Like, we're we're, set, we're about to set up a kingdom here. How how's that possible? Yeah, that's right. Well, well, I will want to say this. Hold on one second before you disagree. Let's take a quick break. 
So right now is a crazy time in our country uh, when it comes to politics. Um, man, we've got some crazy stuff on the, on the left, uh, stuff we have to deal with all the time. And sometimes you just wonder, you know, folks are losing their mind. Uh, one of our sponsors is a group called Patriot Mobile, and they're America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider. And they're a force for conservative values. So we love these guys. We love what they stand for because they stand for what we stand for. Uh, they believe in the sanctity of life. They believe in freedom of speech, the Second Amendment, uh, and they're winning and they're, help, they're helping us win. Patriot Mobile has affordable plans for you and your family, even your business. They offer the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers because they use multiple major networks. Plus, every time you make a call, you're supporting a conservative cause. So if you want to check these guys out, go to PatriotMobile.com slash Phil, or you can call them at 972-PATRIOT. You're going to get free activation with the offer code Phil. And remember, they have special discounts that are available for veterans and first responders, which is another reason why we love these guys. So join the movement. Make the switch today and a difference tomorrow. Go to PatriotMobile.com slash Phil. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Phil. Or you can call them at 972-PATRIOT. I disagree with... So when you read that section... Will you quit at the end of the chapter? Because that's just normally what you would do. But in this case, you, know, you got to remember the the Bible didn't come to us in these letters with the verses and the chapter divisions. We we came in, and I say we as that. in somebody. Yeah. So I'm not real sure why they put chapter nine and verse one why they didn't have the dividing line, because even in this Bible that I'm looking at, they have a heading over 9-2 as the transfiguration. But actually, if you go back and read it, so he he stopped in 38, says, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words, which I think if you wanted another title verse for our podcast, this would be a good one. The name of this program is Unashamed. And Jesus said, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. And he said to them, I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God come with power. The next verse says, after six days. Well, I would put the transition right there. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led him up on a high mountain. So y'all know where I'm going with this. So the translators have their job, but the what would you call the people who put the numbers where they put the numbers? The number people. They're, the they're, they're, they're the fallible human beings. <laughs> Phil called them fallible human <laughs> I take it you're agreeing with my assessment. <laughs> Phil just threw those under the bus. I, I'm really, because look, I think people who. Hey, Jay's. Yeah. Jay, so I was going to make a point there. You realize there are some Bibles. Uh, Bill Smith, who was our mentor, had one because he didn't like that either. There are some Bibles where they don't break it down. It's just a letter, and it's just straight through without all the headings and out, without all the, the breaks and stuff like that. So somebody's had the same idea that you've had and even, and even put together a Bible without all that, which is interesting. Well, very seldom do I see an egregious error, egregious error in the number placement in a chapter, but this is one. Be, because, now I didn't really know this until this past week when I was studying this. But I thought, why would they do this? But in my research, in, in uh, Mark chapter 9 and verse 1, a lot of people who don't believe the kingdom was established in Acts 2. Now, you know, Zach gave a pretty good rendition about Jesus and that confession from Peter and that confession being the rock. And so we, we've said many times that we believe 
you know, Peter now has the keys. The Holy Spirit is poured out in Acts 2 after Jesus dies, buried, and resurrected. He saved the world. So it's like he's unlocking this, this gate in Acts 2, and people respond, and then they become houses of the Holy Spirit, and the kingdom, in essence, the kingdom of God is here. Through and, that, and it's right? it's and and it in the grand scheme of things, it's a narrow gate. It's, well, right, and would make perfect sense on what Mark nine one, which should be Mark eight thirty nine, in my opinion, should be saying. However, when I researched on what people think about Mark nine one from a scholar viewpoint, and look, I looked at a lot of them. I'd say over forty. What I found interesting is that very few agreed with each other. There were different camps on what they thought this meant. So a lot of them, since they didn't believe that occurred in Acts 2, as far as in reference to this statement that some of you will not taste death before you see the kingdom of God come with power, because we all, I think we all agree unanimously that we believe he was referring to this outpouring of the Holy Spirit followed by his death, burial, and resurrection and people coming to Christ and housing the Holy Spirit on earth, which would make you the kingdom of heaven on earth. So they, they didn't know what to do with it. So they said, well, it must have been a glimpse of the transfiguration. Therefore, Bob, let's move that verse down to chapter nine, right beside the transfiguration. Now I'm, you know, I'm getting a bit controversial here because that's just what my opinion is. Oh, because they they have no reason. The scholars I, I I read they have no reason for why this verse is in the Bible. They say we don't know what he was talking about because they have the kingdom yet to be established. So they say I guess they had to get it, that verse out of there. Well, well, they couldn't take it out of the Bible. Well, but they did move it down and say it must have been. Now, now look, it, I, I I find this. I'm not just throwing them that far under the bus. This is their opinion, and I I didn't wear my shirt. I could be wrong, but what they're saying, it's hard for me to illustrate somebody else's argument. But but I didn't want to just say these people are dumb or these are scholars they're bible theologians so and i think their heart is in the right place they're trying this is what they think and i'm just trying to reveal that they think that when the transfiguration occurred that was a glimpse of the kingdom of heaven now while i agree it was a glimpse into what's going to happen to all christians in that we will be transformed we don't use transfigured and much in our days, but the the word there was metamorpha something. So we know what that means. Metamorphosis will occur to our body. So that was a glimpse of that. But to me, Mark nine one being at the end of Mark eight would make perfect perfect sense after the discussion with Peter, and what we said the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the kingdom arriving, and the transfiguration would be. Oh, by the way, there there is this act coming, which will be part of the a kingdom event for us being in heaven. That's my take. We can discuss. Mm, yeah, it's controversial. I mean, I, yeah, I think it's uh, actually, we probably need to take, let's, let's take a quick break and then I'll, I'll give you my thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, yeah, I don't think it's in the wrong place. Um, I think that I I do think he's talking. I think that this is what he's talking about with the the the, the coming of the kingdom, um, and that's come with power. I think that they're going to see it. It's it's the it's the already but not yet kind of mentality that I think the, or the kingdom is here, but it's not in its full fruition. So we do taste morsels of it, but it's also going back to this idea that that this is the finished work of Jesus. I mean, it, it, that Jesus finished this work and not to get too far into the transfiguration, but um, I think because it's right before the six days later, it says that Jesus took Peter and James and John and brought them to the high mountain, to that to the Mount of Transfiguration. I think that that was the moment. I think that was a moment that he's talking about the kingdom 
of God coming in its power. I don't, I, I mean, I, I, I get, I get the point of that because of just where it's placed. Now maybe, and I see what you're saying. That's why they put it in chapter um, nine. I mean, you could make that case, but I do think he's talking about um, a foretaste of, of glory divine of what's to come, particularly in the context of you read, I think it's in Luke's account of the transfiguration. And it's uh, when he, when he's meeting up with Elijah and Moses and they're talking, it, 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 the question is, what are they talking about? I mean, Jesus is having a conversation with Moses and Elijah. And the question is, well, what in the world are they talking about? And I think it's Luke's account that says there, uh, let me pull that up real quick in Luke 9. What I'm saying is, is that it's both. It is a glimpse because the transfiguration is a glimpse to our bodily resurrection yep. of some sort. But it also is an answer to that, which we'll get to in the transfiguration, that Moses, who represented the law, and Elijah, which represented the prophets, have now come to something better. To go back to the last podcast when you know I made that illustration that Jesus... They're seeing made. the results of all they went through. They're seeing... He is fulfilling... Yep. What the prophet said, because you're gonna you can read that in Luke twenty four, and fulfilling what the law said. Remember when he said I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Mm-hmm. Well, who's known for the law? Moses. And well, Jesus, what's he known for? Nailing it to the cross. And so what what did he do three days later? The resurrection. So you're getting a glimpse of the death, bell, and resurrection right after he predicted his death, burial, and resurrection. It's great news. <laughs> it's great news. <laughs> and despite this fact, you know, he throws in that statement in there that says some of you won't taste death before you see the kingdom of God come with power. Now, either he's talking about the transfiguration only, or he's talking about the transfiguration and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2 and people coming to him. That's what I think. I mean, I'm just being real clear on what I'm saying. I think it's both. They they saw the transfiguration, but only three of them saw that. Which is interesting, but if you think about this, though, what well, the, the context of, of what the, this conversation here is right before this is this idea of this cost of discipleship, um, which is basically take up your cross and follow me. This is the stuff that Peter's not getting right. He's thinking that the kingdom's coming w- with power. And what's happening here is there's Jesus is redefining what power means in the new kingdom. There's a new kingdom that's coming that that is an upside down kingdom. You know, that church we used to go to in Florida, we did a they did a play on the book of Acts and they called it upside down. And the reason why is because like like this is what what's what Jesus brought is something there, there's not another reference point in earthly kingdoms that you can say oh it's like the kingdom of that doesn't exist this is a completely paradoxical idea and whenever and you you get it in the transfiguration in Luke's account when it says here that, uh, that behold in verse 30 of Luke 9 two men were talking with him speaking of Jesus uh, they were Moses and Elijah who appearing in glory, and by the way, and Moses represents the law, which which never could fulfill anything, never could bring righteousness. And Elijah was the prophets. And then how, here you have Jesus, which is the Old Testament, by the way. The Old Testament is the law and the prophets. And so that's the Old Testament. And then here you have Jesus, the summation and the fulfillment of both the law and the prophets, speaking with the law and the prophets. And this is what they were talking about who appearing in glory, they were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Think about that. They're talking at at this glorification of Christ, at this transfiguration where his glory is being shown, which is, uh, by the way, uh, uh, that also happened on this mountain whenever Moses met up with God and got the Ten Commandments and his face was like, you know, the whole glory of God was shown on his face and all that. Now here we have this other moment where, where Christ is here at the same place, and they're talking about the fact that Jesus is going to die, his departure. 
I think like that that's that's the crazy part about this transfiguration is that it's a redefinition of power that's going to be accomplished through sacrifice. Power is going to be accomplished through death. Uh, the law is going to be fulfilled through the death and the departure of Christ, the death and then the, the resurrection, which is why this word departure is here. Peter, I think Peter, Peter uh, rebounds from his doubt while he was with Jesus, because when he wrote first Peter, you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your fathers. That was the Jewish people of that day. And they had all the trouble with and the ones who murdered Jesus. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen before the creation of the world. And that little meeting on top of that mountain, you say all this had to be the way it was. But but was revealed in these last times for your sake. So watch through him. You believe in God who raised him from the dead. It's exactly what was fixing to take place when he said, I'm going to go up there, I'm going to die, be buried, raised, and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth, that's talking about coming to Jesus through the gospel, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. But here it is, for you've been born again not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. So when the Spirit of God is given to human beings through the living and Word of God, all men like Christ, they die and they're gone. But if you receive God's Spirit, which all that's pointing to in Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in Acts 2, the wind and the Spirit of God came and everybody's mm. talking in language like that. That coming of the Spirit, that means human beings for the first time ever can get imperishable seed. And uh, <clears throat> Let, let's, uh, let's take one last break. But you have to, it has to be more than the transfiguration in that power, when he said power. Because when you go to Acts 1, now this is still in their lifetime, he he uses the same verbiage. And, you know, Jesus, post-resurrection now, he appeared over a period of 40 days. And what did he speak about, to Zach's earlier point? The kingdom of God. So then he well, said... he told his disciples, basically, just sit down and watch the action. So he <laughs> says, well, don't leave Jerusalem. Yep. I mean, this is not long after he died. I mean, this is less than a year than from where we're at in Mark. Mm -hmm. He says, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father promised. I would think that'd be the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Which you have heard me speak about. Yep. John baptized with water. But in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So there's a... You'll be baptized with it. it it's going to fall all over you. So when they met together, they said, well, Lord, are you now at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They, they, they're not understanding what he's not talking understanding. about. They think it's a physical, we're, we're right. still going to conquer the world because now right. you can, we don't have to worry about food. We've seen you make that. We don't have to worry about dying. Yeah. He, he, this guy's unkillable. By the way, don't worry about us. We're not the one who yeah. killed him, but they were. So then he said, it is not for you to know the times and dates the Father has set by his own authority. Now, here's what I was trying to get to, verse 8 of Acts 1. But you will receive power, power, when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses. So when you go back and read Mark 9, 1, I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God come with power. Now they were talking about the kingdom in Acts 1. They weren't talking about something else. And I'm just taking that word power out of thin air. 
They were like, tell us about the kingdom. Well, you're you're going to receive power. You're not going to die before you see it come. I, I, I just don't see why it's not credible and reasonable to make that connection. And then Peter, in the next chapter, the next chapter. Told them how they could receive well, power. Well, what's the significance of Peter? Well, G- Jesus said, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. So based on that confession. And you get you can receive the power. And so what does Peter do when he preaches Jesus? He reiterates in a three-minute sermon that same confession that he just made in Mark. He said, let me tell you about this Jesus. He, he gave his resume and what he did. And then he said, and, and he is both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And he said, what do we do? You know, they repent, be baptized, and you will receive forgiveness of sins and the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit then, the same one that rose Jesus from the dead and was showing this like supernatural movie here by the transfiguration, because that's what it was. This was a movie that really happened. All these other movies are using graphics and technology. This was just energy being transformed in a way that the world has never seen on this planet. Yep. Which is amazing to even ponder. Jace, you're leaning leaning toward being a theologian. No, I'm just trying to connect the dots because what I'm saying is we have this awesome power surge happen. And people don't know what to do with it. They're like, well, maybe that was a glimpse into the kingdom. No, look, this was a demonstration of the Holy Spirit of God's power that you have access to. (laughs) So that's why he's saying, look, you're not going to die before you see this arrive. And it's going worldwide, beginning here. And it did. So Jay's... My take is, I, I agree with your assessment about the about nine one. It definitely is a culmination. My, my approach to Bible study is always figure out the context of the audience if you want to understand the context of what he's talking about. There is a clear transition here when you get to verse two, as it's laid out in our Bibles of the six days. I would, and I could be wrong as well, but I would say that these are unrelated events from what he was culminating. In, in that verse in one, I mean, nine, one, he was basically tying off what he had been talking about. And Zach was right. That whole section is about cost. So Peter didn't have, he, he was, Peter's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, Lord, that the cost you're talking about is too high. You can't die. And again, as you all have discussed, and I think you're right, thinking about a physical kingdom. And then, and then Jesus says, ho, ho, ho. He rebukes him. And then look, what does he do? He pulls the crowd in with the disciples. So there's your audience. And he tells the crowd, here's what's going to happen. Here's what it's going to look like. Here's the cost of the kingdom. And then he culminates the thought by saying, oh, by the way, that kingdom's going to happen in your lifetime. And then the six days go by and we get into the transfiguration, which the, and we'll get into that a lot more in the next podcast. But I totally agree. He's tying off one thought about cost if you want to be in this mm-hmm. kingdom. And then he's going to show you the glimpse of not only the what's going to look like the resurrection, but also the culmination of law and prophecy, which I agree with everything else. said. You're right so on that, Al. I agree with your initial. You're right on. I think it's important to bring up because I'm saying one of the reasons this was, I was going to say this till last, one of the reasons we have so much confusion about this is because I think a group of men one time decided to put this nine here because they couldn't make sense of it. And then people later on would read it and detach it because it's just like we didn't have this plan. When Zach read it, he stopped at the end of the chapter, which is what a normal human being would do. But I'm just saying, I think that makes this confusing to wrap your head around when there was another thought. And it's a big one. Yep. That's all I was going to say. I believe you're right, Jason. Though there is a there is a connection though with 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 uh, Mark nine and the transfiguration to what he's talking about in Mark eight thirty four when he talks about taking up our cross and following me he says he must deny himself 
and take up his cross and follow me. Now we read that and we have an immediate context for that when, when he says that. We're like, yeah, of course, like do what Jesus did. They don't have a context yet for this. There's no context. Like, oh, you mean like what that, the, when you died on the cross? Because he hadn't died on the cross yet. So we're reading this and and, and we're reading mm-hmm. our our hindsight 2020 into it. And my, my point is, is that, that when we take it, Luke's account of the transfiguration into account, when it has what, what we get an idea of the conversation that was taking place between Elijah, Moses and Jesus, what is he talking about? He's talking about the cross with them. And so my, my point is, is, is that um, I do think it ties it off. I do think the kingdom was established with, when Jesus brought it. Uh, I don't think it's something that we're waiting to arrive. That we're waiting for a better version of it, but but I mean, it, like we we are participating in the kingdom, and the church is not synonymous with the kingdom. We're in the kingdom. We are not. Right. We are not the kingdom. The kingdom is the That's rule right. and the reign of God, which is way bigger than just like the church. Yeah. And and um, and so, but but the point I think that that I think the main point here is that what is this kingdom that He's bringing? What is the kingdom of God? Now, we've said over and over again, God doesn't clearly define that for us in Scripture. But one thing we do know is that it is it is an upside down kingdom that is going to baffle the wise of uh, the wisdom of this world. It's going to turn everything on its head. It's the idea of you take up your cross and follow me. It's the idea if you want to if you want to be first, you got to be last. And when I when I read this and and in Mark uh, here in verse Mark 34 and 35 about taking up our cross and following Christ. This isn't simply a point that we got to take up our cross like Jesus did. You know, we think of that scene from the passion where Jesus has the cross on his back and he's, he's pulling it along the road. It's this horrible scene. And we're like, man, we got to suffer like Christ. It's not just that it's it, it, the point here is that we have to die on a cross like Jesus we, we got to die and be born again. It's, it's the only way. That's what Romans 6 talks about. It's over and over and over again. And it's, and it's this upside down world that we're living in that like when you move into the kingdom, it's, it's, a, it's just a paradigm shift. It's like the reference points. Everything changes. It's like a reordering of your desire, of your heart, of all this. And it's like it's so big that we can never really get our hands around it. So that's why when I said earlier that I do think that the transfiguration is partly what he's talking about here, because it, I think one that com- comes right after it. And two, because of Luke's account, we know that the conversation they were having was directly related to what he was talking about in Mark chapter uh, eight, verse 34. No, I think, uh, does that make sense? I think, yeah, I think we agree on that. I mean, that's what he was talking to. So we're out of time. Um, we're going to continue this discussion, though, because this it's a boy. There's a lot to unpack here. We're, we're even kind of looking ahead to the transfiguration, some really good stuff. So we'll talk about this a little bit more in the overtime as well as our next podcast. If you want to follow us over, blazetv.com slash unashamed. We still have a promotion running. We can get $10 off that subscription when you use the promo code Phil. Uh, so follow us over and uh, continue this great Bible discussion from Mark 8 and 9. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.